Hi, this is Katie. I uh, just want to note this podcast was recorded at 9.30 a.m. on June 30th, the last day of the fiscal year when the budget is due. Um, things will have changed by the time you hear it, um, but you can go to the State House Soundbites feed and WITF.org to get whatever the latest news is. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the State House Soundbites podcast. We are in the Capitol cafeteria the day after uh, a very late night in which the Senate passed an appropriations bill that will likely become the spending plan for the budget. Um, we're waiting for that to happen today. They're currently in session. Um, again, you can hear my reporting on public radio stations across the state, including WHYY in Philadelphia, WESA in Pittsburgh. So check out that there for a comprehensive look at... Uh, what we're doing, where we're going with this budget. And uh, the deadline is tonight. So with me to give us an update on what's going on is Charlie Thompson with PenLive.com. Hey, Charlie. Hello. And uh, Angela Columbus with the Philly Inquirer. How's it going? Pretty good. A little tired this morning. <laughs> we're all tired this morning, but we're hanging in there. Morale is extremely high. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So you guys, a spend plan came last night. This feels very similar to last year because it looks like they're going to have a spending plan by the time the fiscal year ends, but not a revenue plan to back it up. So can we call that a budget? I mean, is the budget on time? Well, I mean, uh, I, I I think it's um, no, uh, not necessarily. But you know, I, I guess I I feel like that matters. I feel like that whole question matters less. Uh, since that court decision of a few years ago during the Rendell era that uh, – I believe it was the Rendell era that triggered the court case. I'm not – I don't even remember when the I court case came out. Correct. But mm-hmm. basically said that, that um, the, the net effect of it was that much of state government can continue to operate and state workers can right. continue state to be paid without a budget. Paid. So, yeah. you know, um, yes, July 1st starts a new fiscal year, but – we know now, and, and if, if, if you had any doubts, I mean, the fifteen sixteen fiscal year when they had a nine-month impasse proved it, that the state can churn along without a finalized budget. So, And uh, I guess the question then is, I mean... Yeah, there's a, obviously a very big piece, maybe in some ways the biggest piece of this budget is still left to be done. Right, and I guess the, the wisdom of passing, maybe not even the wisdom, but, uh, you know how good passing a revenue plan separately from the actual spending plan is. I mean, does that open them up to a slightly sloppy budgeting, you know, like putting in pools of money that maybe aren't going to be recurring? I mean, I'm just thinking of last year. We did the same thing last year, and obviously some of the factors that went into our current deficit weren't controllable, but we did end up with a $1.5 billion shortfall, you know, from projections. So, I mean, is this practice, is it good budgeting? I guess it's not really up to us to say. It's hard to tell. I mean, I think from a very, you know, fundamental perspective, a lot of people look at it like, okay, I'm going to go and buy all my Christmas presents in August before I know what I'm what I'm going to be having and what kind of income I'm going to be having in December um, and whether I'm even going to have a job in December. So I think for, for... that's the way the public views it. But I don't want to minimize the significance of them getting to an agreement on a spend number. It's not an easy feat given, uh, you know, the, the, the divided politics in this building. Um, and 
I believe it was Senate, Senate Minority Leader Jay Costa yesterday who pointed out, look, you know, we have a significant amount of this budget coming in, the revenue coming in through, you know, the sales tax, the personal income tax, various corporate taxes. Um, and, yes, there is a very big gap of, you know, over $2 billion, um, but we are – we are going to figure out a way to to make up for it, and there seems to be at least this talk uh, on both sides that they are going to find recurring revenue, and we can talk about what that recurring revenue is going to be. Yeah, absolutely, and I do want to get into that, but I also I think first let's just go into the spending plan because this was, right. you know, and again, yeah, not to minimize this because they got a very bipartisan plan put together. Um, I think with a spend number that was higher than a lot of us maybe expected. Um, so, what was in there? Well, um, you know, state government's a vast enterprise, so this this funds <laughs> literally, I mean, just in the course of business, this funds everything from state prisons to uh, the state police that, you know, clocks you on the highway to um, um, safety net programs for the poor to a lot of the funding for our public schools. So it, it's... Uh, and a whole system of state-owned colleges and universities to boot. So it's uh, it's vast. And, I mean, a lot of the budget is traditionally just carried on, sure. you know, from year to year. But the, the new – and honestly, like this budget, when you take it in its whole, I, I – I kind of was writing that this this is not really an ambitious plan because they don't have the funds to do any major new initiatives. In fact, most of the big new initiatives here were sort of like streamlining and consolidating mm. things that already exist. Right. Um, there's a tiny, well, I shouldn't say tiny, but a, a modest bump up in uh, funding for public schools, right. $100 million for the major operating subsidy for, for the 500 school districts. And then the... Uh, the Senate Republicans were very pleased because they won they won an ad back of a fifty million dollar cut in in um, school transportation subsidies, which kind of allows that one hundred bill that one hundred million to be a, a net gain of a hundred million to the school districts. But you know they're 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 already getting um, something like five or six billion dollars. So a hundred million is is not it's what like one sixtieth of an increase. So it's it's not a huge increase. Yeah. Um, and you and, mentioned – go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. So, so most of the, the new things in there are, are small bumps. What most people were playing for who, who get state aid or, or rely on state funding was just to be flat funded yeah. from the year before. Yeah, because we do have, I think, worth – I don't know if you've noted this, but a $3 billion, according mm-hmm. to the IFO, structural deficit, so a deficit over multiple years. So that's something they're keeping in mind with this spending as well. Um, you mentioned streamlining. One of the big things that this does is it does uh, consolidate two different sets of departments, the Department of Probations uh, and Parole and Corrections, mm-hmm. um, are going to be put together, as are the Department of Health and the Department of Human Services. That one I thought was interesting because initially in that consolidation, the Health and Human Services one, there had been the Department of Aging and the Department of Drugs and Alcohol. Mm-hmm. They took those out. We didn't know they were going to be out. I don't think anybody knew that until last night. But it, I got the impression that they had never, they had always considered doing it without those two. 
Because that was a fairly unpopular consolidation. It was, especially given the um, opioid crisis in in Pennsylvania and really across the nation. I think that they felt that given, um, you know, the timing just was not right. People felt that some of the programs um, would be compromised if they were put into a much larger department that has, you know, um, a really vast um, list of duties. And the same thing went, uh, I think, for the Department of Aging. As we all know, Pennsylvania's population. There is a significant uh, portion of senior citizens. And again, the the thinking was that those types of programs would get lost in a much bigger department. Right. So that's a consolidation that's expected to save some money. So we will see if that, you know, what happens with that. It's going to be a process. Right. And the the, uh, health and human services consolidation, as I understand it, is actually, they've committed to work toward that. They haven't actually you know, the, the, the way that was explained to me was it's sort of like, okay, Wolf proposed this this winter in his initial budget draft, this, this four-way consolidation. And through this budget period, uh, I think some of the people in the legislature feel like, well, now we know what we really don't know about this and what we really need to dig into to find out if, if it's a good thing. So we're not ready to pull the trigger on it yet, but we are interested in it. So we'll meet you halfway, Governor. We'll, we'll continue talking about it. Mm-hmm. And um, they actually say, like, that they, they think they might, you know, they, they'd like to get there, but they need to take some time to look at it. So I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a task force to kind of drive this to completion yeah. one way or another and see if yeah. they can get to an agreement on it. That's how I understood it as well. Um, any other – I think those are really the big spending things that we got out of this, right? It's a lot of flat funding. Not a whole ton has changed. They're looking for efficiencies in uh, Medicaid spending. So that yeah. was the biggest cut. It was like $30 million. Yeah. You know, if, if – Or $300 I million, I think. I haven't really dug into that section of the budget, but yeah. I, I know they, they talked about that yesterday. And, you know, that that's the one of the – major cost drivers in our budget along with the pension systems and corrections over, over the last right. know, 10, 15 years. And um, if they can kind of bend the arc of the growth in spending in, in Medicaid and other medical assistance yeah. programs, I mean, that would be that would be big for sure. And not to get too deep into it, because I know we could talk about this for a long time, but, um, you know, it, they, they are, they're the efficiencies are not like we're going to cut here, here, and here. They're unspecified. So it's basically asking the Wolf administration. To find ways to cut Medicaid. And, right. And yeah. I, I That's mean, tough to do. Yeah, and I believe that sort of happened in this fiscal year as well. And that is part of the reason why we are seeing a supplemental, um, you know, that they have to supplement this year's right. budget. Yeah, um, because they ended up being significantly higher in yes. their Medicaid spending than was put into the budget. Yeah. What... I did hear that in in some programs, though they they felt that there was a, they, they were starting to see a trend of um, you know kind of some kind of a, a downward trend in, in enrollments, and I'm not sure if that was a downward trend or or a, a slow in the growth rate. But mm, interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that makes it hard to cut Medicaid, especially in Pennsylvania, is we're an old state. I've mm-hmm. heard it right. said there's a lot of elderly people, especially elderly right. people in nursing homes in the state, and right. we do have a fairly you know lucrative uh, st- system in place for elderly folks. Yeah, so. and, there's, and there's also so much interaction with the federal government piece exactly. of it. So, and exactly. who knows what that's... So, I mean, I've talked to Ted Dallas. He was talking about, you know, specifically nursing homes are the biggest expense, and maybe, you know, serving people where 
they live more, making that right. more of a default position for them because that's much cheaper than putting them into a facility. But anyway, so that's something that if you're going to follow something over the next several months, yep. that'll be something to look at, especially with the Medicaid debate on the federal level. Um, all right, moving now into the revenue portion of this, the thing that we don't have yet. What have we heard so far? I mean, it sounds like they're looking at uh, two, I mean, the two biggest things that we've heard is uh, they are looking to borrow, basically take out a loan um, of an unspecified amount at this point. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it could be as high as $1.5 billion. Right. As loan, I think, worth noting, that would be the money covering this shortfall from Correct. our current fiscal from year that we're in until midnight. So. And then there's some talk about, you know, recurring revenues and doing that through gambling expansion. Um, but that debate appears to be bogged down in disagreement over whether to allow or how much of um, uh, these video gaming terminals or VGTs to allow in bars and restaurants and other establishments across the state that have liquor licenses. And the fear is that you're... And what you hear many lawmakers um, talking about, particularly in Philadelphia, <clears throat> is that it will create these little mini casinos on every corner. Um, and, and in urban areas, that is a particularly uh, acute problem because there are a lot of nuisance establishments, um, particularly in like the inner cities. So um, I think that this issue has, and Charlie, weigh in on this, please, this issue has really kind of... Uh, stalled any uh, talks on, yeah. on revenue. Yeah, we're hearing that's where like, if there's uh, a absolutely. blow up, it's over that sort of. Yeah, I mean um, the uh, the House of Representatives moved heaven and earth to pass a gaming bill that was really like to borrow a phrase that goes around Washington and all of the above mm-hmm. gaming expansion bill. Omnibus, yes. Yeah, that that did that allowed iGaming gaming basically internet-based games that we could play on our smartphones and daily fantasy sports would be regulated and they'd sell lottery tickets online and vgts were a part of it um and uh a bar tavern owner could have up to five machines and and um, get into the gaming industry um and you know that that passed by the narrowest of margins in the house went to the senate and what they've found is that it, there, there's just the Senate is is taking a, a little bit different view on this, and, and they, I mean, they haven't had the votes for it, right? right. They, it, that's that's it in, yeah. in essence, and um, it seems like they're stuck at about you know the high teens or maybe twenty, depending on who you talk and to. How many would they need? They would need twenty six. Right. And this siege has gone on in the Senate for about two weeks, where they've been trying different tweaks to the proposal to try to mm-hmm. ramp up the vote and count. And it should be said, the Senate's not, like, they're trying to compromise on this. I know we talked to um, Senate Leader Jake Corman. Sure, and who, who says he's personally opposed to VGTs. But, but he's working towards getting... But he is, yeah, it, it appears like, you know, it appears like he's trying to make a good faith effort to, to be able to show the House that he's tried to get a VGT component in the gambling bill. Mm. And... Um, Nobody's pulled the plug on it yet, but what, what I've seen just from talking to members around here is that it appears that people have kind of started to solidify in their positions, and it's hard to see where they're really going to get that movement. Now, the big wild card is, and I always wonder about this, is, okay, when they have everything else done and it, 
comes down to, well, okay, we need $250 million more, so, well, here's that VGT thing that nobody really likes, but, you know, we can do that and we, we can be done. Sometimes, you know, they get worn down. and yeah, and They don't want to be here for Yeah, so, for example, I keep pointing to the Senate Democratic Caucus, and I don't mean to, to put this on them, but, for example, they, they say they only have, like, four votes for VGTs. But maybe in the interest of getting a budget done for their Democratic governor, Tom Wolf, they say, all right, we'll hold our nose and vote for it. And all of a sudden, the four votes becomes ten votes, and, right. and then they have enough. Right. So you never really know how that, that final pressure, that yeah, vice is going to work Yeah, this is all stuff that's on going people. on behind closed doors. Right. And but so. uh, one thing about the Senate, though, in the House, that, that debate became very transactional, and, and people were getting uh, promises for, you know, this, this – um, bump in your local share and and maybe this RCAP project and that sort of thing. And in the Senate, from what I can tell, that, that appears to have not worked. And, uh, and part of the reason in the Senate, I think, is that it's only 50 members. So the, um, the proportion of members with a casino in their district is much higher. And this is fundamentally a battle between the established casinos who see the VGTs cannibalizing their their Business. market mm-hmm. uh, right. and, and, that, and the bars point. and tavern. So just to clarify that who, point, uh, one of the big con, you know, concerns about this bill is you said cannibalization. It's yeah. basically VGTs taking money from the established you know, brick-and-mortar casinos. Yeah. And so people don't want that to happen. And that would be, I mean, that would be really disruptive to the industry. Right, because love them or hate them, I mean, the casinos are here and they, do, they have created, you know, more than 10,000 jobs and they do create you know, something like a, a billion dollars of tax revenue every year, and, and most of that goes to the, the slender property tax rebates that we get. Right. Or, yep. <laughs> All right. So, so VGTs emerging as perhaps the biggest sticking point in right. this budget, but just kind of to reel it out into a bigger picture again. So we mentioned. So this is a, there are other there are other items out there. Yeah. There are other items yeah. out there. So we have this thirty-two point nothing actually. The spending right. plan is about thirty-two billion dollars. Two point two billion of that. We don't know where it's coming from. Um, most of it, it's it's accounted for. Um, One point five billion of that. I think it's relatively safe to say. I mean, according to Governor Wolf, right. like as much as one point five billion could be gotten through borrowing. Yeah. And I mean, they say that's a one-time expense, and it sort of is. It's it's you know it's filling up right. a, a deficit that existed from this year. But you could argue that there are recurring expenses that are part of that deficit. Mm. But that being said, that's how they're interpreting it. Um, and then it's around eight hundred million dollars that's right. left to figure out where it's going to come from and so how much were we expecting to get from this gaming expansion only two or three million dollars 200 well, million dollars right i think if if it had vgts i think they were going to try and say that that would get you like four or five hundred million but um but if it's if it's just the eye gaming and then it's probably more like 150 right. 200 million. Right. But it, it's not going to close the deal in any case. No, it's so, not. Um, are we at the, like other things? There's were, a lot of stuff going around, but we haven't heard anything definitively. I mean, what are you guys? And the House Republicans, I should, I think we should note, they have been very, very quiet about where they stand on a lot of, you know, um, or the fundamental thing that's being looked at, which is the borrowing piece. Um, you know, they have pretty studiously avoided um, saying whether they even support it as a concept, let alone as a reality uh, mm-hmm. and a way to to uh, balance the state's books. Um, and, you know, you talk to some of the more conservative um, 
uh, state reps, and they don't like the idea of it. They don't think it is a fiscally responsible way of dealing with it. So I, I think that the the potential next week for a, a lot of um, you know uh, tense negotiating is is very much present, and um, I, I don't think it's going to be an easy lift for these guys to figure it out when they get back. We should note too yeah. the conservative state reps. I mean, a lot of these guys, they're. I, their solution to this would be to cut more, to cut you know X, Y, and Z appropriations. But now we have a spending. Plan. Well, that's right. where you get to your sloppy budgeting comment right. because they don't they they kind of have boxed themselves into a corner now right. with the now spend. Now they have numbers. to do thirty two right. billion dollars and they can't yeah. cut more. That's not a it's not it's on the not table. Be an so it's got to be new revenue, or they got to borrow, mm. or they got to move around some fund to patch yeah. the gap. And and the other big bet, if if I can add on that borrowing that bond issue against the tobacco settlement payments is that, uh, you know, that whole idea of, well, we can pay for this year's deficit with that's a one-time gap. Mm-hmm. Why do they say that? They say that because there have been some projections made that our tax revenues for next year, the year starting July 1st, are going to bounce back and grow to the level where we'll be at least at the level we thought we were going to get in 16, 17. So that's, you know, that's a pretty big bet in itself because right. Well, actually, right. I think I was yeah. talking to um, Matt Nittle of the yeah. IFO, and so we had like really high like sales revenue projections for this fiscal year. We had high mm-hmm. um, personal income tax revenues. It was somewhere in like the 5% growth range, and it came in like in the low twos, which is a big gap. Mm-hmm. And we're not back up to like the 5 range in the projections. We're now... It's higher. We're expecting some growth next year, but not nearly as much as initially. Was it that consumer spending, correct? The that consumer spending. And that's a tough one yeah. because, I mean, the way people spend has changed. Right. And right. We're not, it's difficult to tax, like, Internet goods mm-hmm. and brick-and-mortar stores don't do so well anymore. Look at what happened, what's happening with Sears. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just like a – and we're not the only state with those problems. Lots and lots of states had low tax revenues this past fiscal year. And so that's something that the legislature, I mean – they have to try to plan for that, but it's difficult. That's not sure. like it's not their fault that right. like sales taxes and aren't working as well as they should. Mm-hmm. But um, but there are some other yeah, ideas that aside from the gaming. I mean, uh, one, one of the things that has intrigued me um, is, is this liquor by the drink tax idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, explain that a little you, bit. You guys already have it in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, but in the other sixty-five counties. Um, I'm not a bar owner, so I might fumble this a little bit. But <laughs> yeah. as I understand it, the bar owner buys a bottle of vodka from the LCB, I guess, right. and he pays sales tax on that transaction. One bottle of vodka, one 6% surcharge that goes to the state. And then he makes 30, 40 screwdrivers or vodka and tonics out of that bottle of vodka. And those drinks don't get taxed with a sales tax when... You buy it at the bar. So the theory is, well, I can get my 6% on a $20 bottle of vodka, and that's $1.20. Or I can get my 6% on $35 screwdrivers, and and that's a lot more. So the the state, just by flipping that tax from a wholesale tax to to the retail end of the transaction, kind of a big accounting move can actually net, like they say, you know, if, even even if you 
just leave alone Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. I've heard it's like uh, $200 million, something yeah. along that lines. So it seems like a fairly easy thing to do, and I don't think that they've gotten a lot of pushback from any sides of the industry, yeah. the distillers, the bar that. owners. And We've been asking so, about it for several but days. But consumers and gotten... don't like it. I know in Pittsburgh it has been incredibly controversial, mm-hmm. and um, I, I believe some of the receipts um, you know, the, that you get when, when you buy a, a drink um, will actually state that the, the drink tax, when it was put into place and, and by which county executive. So oh, really? I, I don't think that it's, it's a very popular move publicly. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, uh, you know, the, the big... that's, that's, that's interesting to hear. I'm, I'm here in Harrisburg, of course. But uh, <laughs> honestly, like I was I have been pondering the idea of like, oh, I wonder who would really notice it if, if they had to pay a six yeah. six percent sales tax on their bar tab. I don't know. Two or, two or three drinks, I lose those social inhibitions. You know? <laughs> You're just paying taxes on everything exactly. after two or three drinks. All right. So I think that kind of gives you an idea, though, of where they are. We have, we're going to be locked into a spend plan should it right. not change and the governor gets it. Um, and we don't know if he's going to sign it yet. He hasn't. So actually, didn't he say he looked forward to signing it? I believe that he has not definitively said yeah. that he is going to sign a, a spending plan without the corresponding revenue I'm plan. I remember the wording of his email last well, night. I, I believe he celebrated he the bipartisan it. agreement right. and so forth. Yes. But I, I don't. I'd be very surprised if he signed it without his revenue package right. in hand. And um, so now so. that brings us to what happened last year. So he has ten days now right. that he has a bill on his desk to either sign or veto it. Um, does it look like, I mean, we really don't know at this point, but does it look like we're going to get a revenue package before then? Well, well they're not here the this weekend. Cast, that yeah. Well, at least the Senate is not. We know that the Senate is not going to be here this weekend. And Well, I, I was talking to Pat Brown last night, and I, I don't know. This might just be like a politics file. thing. Right. And so he, uh, he said, I was like, are you guys going to be here this weekend? And he said, we're going to be here as long as it takes to pass a revenue plan. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll, so the leaders, the leaders, the leaders, will the leaders and their be senior here. staffers right. will, will continue negotiating. Yeah, but um, that, I mean, the rank and file probably will not, will not be, be here. Yeah. Probably until at least the 5th. But, the 5th, right. So that but, puts us midweek. It, but there is also a, there's a little bit of a wild card, I believe. And um, we don't know how this is going to play out. But I, I, I know, remember, the bill doesn't actually go to the governor until the presiding officer of the house right. and senate sign off on it there there's a mechanism by which they could actually just hold it on the desk hmm. in the house and senate for a couple of days just to give them a little more leeway on right. that 10-day period like maybe they don't start the clock until july 5th i can't imagine they would sit on it for long because it's a big deal for them to get you know the republicans in the legislature like to show that they can get the trains to run on right. time. It seems so, like so, they want to say, we got a so, bill on the governor's yeah. desk at the end I mean, of I've the heard, day. I've heard they're going to decide today whether they're going to sign that bill and move it to the governor. They haven't even made a decision on that yet. But yeah. but that is a possible wild card. It could buy could them a little, for a little while. extra time. But then but, they wouldn't but, be able to say, we got a bill on the governor's desk. But at one point, desk. yeah. But at one point, there, at some point, there is going to be a 10-day clock that's going to run. And you know what? It, I mean, if, if they don't get the revenue part hammered out, then Wolf will have to probably do something like um, sign the budget bill and, uh, like, line item veto uh, two billion or well, I guess whatever he it's feels comfortable with. Form, right, because right, yeah. constitutionally it has a, a to be a balanced portion of it. Budget, right. You know, he can take a look at what are we going to get from the existing tax base and say, I'll carry that forward and I'll put the rest sort of in a freeze mode. Mm-hmm. 
and then I'll release that um, or sign a modified budget when the rest of the money comes in. So there's ways to manage that. Yeah. All right. What did he do last year? He let it become law without his signature, um, but he had a revenue within, package within with, 10 days. Within ten, well, within a couple of days after the 10-day the, the mm. period, right, okay. had, had gone, had gone. he let it lapse into law, I believe. Okay. Um, it's all hazy now. But, you know, it goes right back to what Charlie said at the very start of, of the show, which is um, because of that court decision, you know, state parks are still going to remain open. Um, yeah, there's no government there's shutdown. There's no real... Yeah, there's there are no real repercussions uh, for at, le- at least immediate ones, I should say. So yeah, I think the first thing that you see now is is actually like the third parties right. that that get state assistance Non-profits. because that money right, doesn't yeah. move from Harrisburg out to Butler or Erie or Allentown. Yeah, so the main ones and, there are schools. That's what we heard about a lot during the impasse. Right. They yeah. weren't getting the funding they needed, and also nonprofits who yeah, get the things like the domestic violence shelters. Right. right. So there are repercussions, but that stuff, I mean, they Further won't down the feel any fiscal impact immediately. And no. state workers will still get paid, even if we do have uh, a standoff for a little bit. Mm-hmm. we got a man talking on the phone next to us. Um, all right, so what else What else should we say? I think a good way to wrap this up. We were talking to Senator Costa last night, and uh, he's the Democratic. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right. We had a nice man who moved his phone conversation for us. Anyway, so we were speaking to Senate Minority Leader Democrat Jay Costa. He was in the press room last night, and he was saying basically that uh, he's not sure if this budget is going to address our larger structural issues. I mean, obviously, he's a Democrat, so he wanted additional spending for some programs and tax increases. They really wanted a severance tax on natural gas, and obviously Wolf has been pushing for several years to get increases to the sales and uh, personal income taxes. And so those would you know, create recurring revenue. The Senate and House GOP have been very against it. So I, think, I guess the question is, is this, um, we hear a lot about budgets that kick the can down the road and sort of push off our fiscal issues, kind of patch it over for another year. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to know at the time whether or not right, a budget's going to do that, and we don't have a revenue package yet. But uh, I guess, is there, does this feel like a budget that might do that? Well, um, I don't think it's going to solve a lot of long-term issues, but, you know, I, I don't it, – it's hard to imagine that any budget would in the political era that we're in right now with a Democratic governor and a re- strong Republican majorities in the House and Senate because those majorities in the House and Senate – you know, like the first commandment of politics for them is do not raise broad-based taxes. Don't raise the personal income tax or the sales tax. That's the starting point for every discussion. So a guy like Costa, he believes, he sincerely believes that that kind of tax increase is actually needed to take the government to the next level and, and do some of the things that he would like to do. Right. So, I mean, there there's a fundamental difference there. And yeah, as long as they have to hash that, mm. as long as they have to bridge that gap, I mean, I think these uh, kind of hand-to-mouth budgets are the right. best we're going to do. Yeah, and, and they're definitely not going to do it next year. I shouldn't say definitely, but um, it, it's unlikely because it's an election year right. and there's going, to, election. there's going to be a governor's race. Uh, governor Wolf will be up for re-election and 
you know, we have uh, Senator Wagner who has discussed his um, or has announced his intentions to, to run in the primary. House Speaker House Mike Terzai has, mm-hmm. has said he is, uh, v- uh, you know, he, he's really considering it very hard um, and is all but announced. Uh-huh. So it, it is politically, it's, go- it's, it's a very unpopular thing to do. And if you know, I think a lot of people saw this year as perhaps the last year where they could do it before an, a, a, a broad-based tax increase before an election without um, public backlash. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is the potential that we're back here next summer in the same spot with Charlie and, 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 and you, Katie, talking about some of the very same issues unless they, they come up with a strong uh, revenue package that really brings in, you know, a recurring revenue stream. And, and I might add that for a lot of Pennsylvanians who hear this podcast, I mean, they may say, I, I know there's a lot of Pennsylvanians out there that would say, well, right on, you know, I'm, 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 I'm glad they're not raising my taxes. That should not be the first resort. So yeah, some people may look at this and they may applaud them for, you know, digging through the idea right. pile and coming up with the tobacco bond idea. And, sure. And, I mean, yeah, I think there, yeah. that kind of prompts another question. It's like we talk a lot about the budget being balanced and we talk a lot about, you know, fiscal health. And I think these are sort of nebulous concepts to your average Pennsylvanian who really care if they're personally impacted by this thing. So mm-hmm. do their taxes go up or do services that they rely on get cut? And this budget on its face doesn't seem to do a whole lot of service cutting. I think we're mostly flat funding thing. It maintains, yeah. And uh, so really what it will do, and I think the you know people who don't like this sort of budgeting, this patching over holes year by year, is that you know down the line fiscal problems might get worse, but we're probably not going to see a huge impact in the next months or year. Does that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, back to what Charlie said, I, I don't believe we've had a, a personal income tax increase since, I, was it 2003? 2003, And yeah. the sales tax was in the 90s. When new Governor Ed right. Rendell tried to, uh, with his plan for, with the creatively named plan for a new Pennsylvania, mm. <laughs> pushed for uh, an income tax and right. kind of a same kind of sweeping plan that Wolf came into he office He got a smaller with. one than he right. wanted, too. And, and there was a, there was an, a long protracted battle that year too, but in December of 2003, right. the, the Senate Republican leaders made an accommodation with Rendell, and, and that's when we had our last PIT increase. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and, and I think some uh, people or some Democrats have argued: listen, the more you put off this type of thing, the higher the potential increase in either the sales or the personal income tax you'll have to make down the line to make up for for some of the revenue. Mm-hmm. And the flip side for the Democrats and, and, and others who say that a tax increase wouldn't be the worst thing in the world is that, you know, it it raises a lot of money for the state with with not Small really bumps. big increases. So, right. You know, you could argue that you could you could solve a lot of that fiscal gap with yeah. a relatively small maybe not too painful increase. And one of the most attractive parts of a sales tax increase usually maybe not these years but uh that it's a stable revenue right you can pretty much predict what you're going to get 
Although this year our sales tax was much lower than we thought. Well, it was I was referring be. to income. Though, income tax. Yeah, income but, tax is very stable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- these are I mean, the revenues that we're looking at right now, like the gaming expansion. Um, I mean, those are projections, and they're often projections that are wrong. Um, so that sort of adds a, a layer of you know the unknown into your budgeting right. process and opens you up to bigger errors. Like I guess what we saw this year, a big shortfall. All right. So anything else you guys want to add? We're right now, the Senate's still in session, so we're waiting to see what comes out of that. We're hoping, we're expecting that they're going to pass out the bill that they got at appropriations last night. It'll go to the House. How many hours does the House have? before they can vote on it? I, th- I think it's, it's six Well, I thought it was... Um, oh, well, you know what? I, I better not answer that question. I'm not... I don't know. I thought I, I, thought I, heard, somebody, I, thought I yeah. heard somebody say six hours. So both both chambers should... I'm expecting both chambers are going to act on it today. Yeah. All right. So um, by the time you hear this, it might be out of date, but you can stay updated. You can look at what happened by looking at our reporting. We've got a penlive.com to check out what Charlie is doing. You go to the Philly Inquirer to look at Angela's stuff. You can go to WITF.org to look at mine or turn on your radio. And I think that's a good place to end it, right? We'll see what happens. Sure. Happy 4th of July. Happy <laughs> 4th of July. Happy new fiscal year to everyone who celebrates <laughs> that. We will see you next week. <laughs>